with us, picking up with where we left off last week with the life of Joseph. If you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's message, I encourage you to go online and to watch that message as it's going to be super beneficial in seeing the whole picture of his life and the many lessons that his life teaches us. And for those of you that are just joining us, we are on a series called Storytellers. And I love this series title for several reasons. One is because God has called us to be storytellers. He's called us to all tell about the good things that he has done in our lives. But two, I don't know about you, but I love a good story. And not just because it's entertaining, but because a good story can teach us a lot about a lot of things. And I'm convinced that many of the stories in the Bible were written in order that we would learn the life lessons that God knew that we would need here on our journey. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So when it comes to the scripture, it's not there to just inform us, but rather to transform us. That's why Paul said that the stories in the scripture, they provide us with encouragement, which then builds up hope in our hearts. Now the type of hope that I'm talking about here isn't the hope that the world has because the world will approach hope by saying things like I hope I win the lottery (laughs) I hope that I retire at my targeted age I hope that my insurance premiums don't go up (laughs) everyone's like amen to that one (laughs) but the kind of hope that the Bible talks about watch this it's a hope that does not disappoint It's an assurance that we have an anchor in our soul that no matter what circumstance we find ourselves up against, we will endure, we'll overcome. Romans 5, 5 says, and hope does not disappoint us (laughs) because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And if the life and the story of Joseph teaches us anything, it's to not stop midway through the story. It teaches us that though things around us may appear really, really bad, God isn't through. And I just feel the encouragement of the Holy Spirit to say to whoever may feel disappointed in your life right now, God is still writing your story. He's still writing your story. And as we'll see here shortly, God took Joseph, who was in a really bad situation, a bad situation, and it didn't appear as if there was any light in the tunnel, right? Other than the promise that God said that he would do it, and he did. So friends, I'm going to tell you something about God, and I said this earlier whenever the Lord gave me a word for someone. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that he should lie. If God speaks something to our hearts, he will bring it about in his perfect timing and in his perfect way. But the thing that we've got to be mindful of is that God's ways are not our ways, just like his thoughts are not our thoughts, right? And so we've got to trust him that when things don't go the way that we want them to go, that God will bring it about. He will bring it to fulfillment. Now, Please forgive this cheesy illustration here. Um, I'm a child of the 80s, okay? So that just comes with the territory and with me being your uh, pastor. But in the 80s, there were several movies that I watched like probably 30 uh, times a piece. And one of them was called The Karate Kid. (laughs) Now, for those of you that have watched The Karate Kid, I know that you're probably thinking, Pastor, everybody has seen The Karate Kid. Well, let me just assure you that I am absolutely certain that there are those in this room, probably under the age of 30, that have never seen it. Just like there are those that I know that are in this room that's never seen Back to the Future or Top Gun, okay? 
all PG movies before y'all start Facebooking me and email me, all right? All right? And so if you've never seen Karate Kid, first of all, do yourself a favor. You want something to do tonight? Go watch Karate Kid, all right? But in the movie, Daniel LaRusso, he wanted to learn karate from a man named Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi agreed to teach him. Only he had Daniel go and paint his fence, wax his cars, and he had several cars, and sand a wood deck. And at first, Daniel did everything that he asked until one day he felt like Mr. Miyagi was just using him and he wasn't going to come through and what he promised. So he got frustrated at Mr. Miyagi and he wanted to quit. But then Mr. Miyagi revealed to him that all the things that he was asking him to do was in preparation for reaching the end goal. Can you believe I fit this in a sermon right here, Pastor Daniel? He's smiling when I'm using this cheesy 80s illustration. This is where we're two peas in a pod, right? So he went and won the All-Valley Under-18 Karate Tournament. Slide that in the sermon, mister. <laughs> and it was all the result of lessons that Mr. Miyagi had taught him. But he almost gave up, walked away, and quit. Church, look at me. Don't ever quit. Much like this illustration that I just used right here, there will be times that God will see to it that you go through some things that may appear as if they have nothing to do with your God-ordained destiny. But let me tell you something about God. God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste anything. And even for the things that your enemy has crafted to use against you, God will take what the enemy meant for evil and work it for your good. Only don't quit. Don't walk away right in the middle of God writing your story because it's still being written. Hey, as long as there is breath in your lungs, God is still writing your story. And if God has spoken a promise to your heart, you better believe that he will bring it about. But again, it's in his perfect timing and in his perfect way. Amen. Now, somehow I have got to go and to tie together Daniel LaRusso, Marty McFly, and Maverick to Joseph. And I don't know how to do that other than pray. <laughs> so how about let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word, God. And we thank you for um, all the stories that we encounter, Lord, but specifically, Lord, the stories that we see in your word, God. Your word, it's alive. It's an act of God. And it was written, as we read earlier, God, in order to teach us, Lord, that we might have hope and that we may have endurance. So, Father, let your word go forth. Let it do its bidding in our heart. May that seed that good seed of the word, may it be found landing on good soil today. So, Lord, we receive, Lord God, what you want to speak to our hearts, God. May he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Speak to us, precious Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the church says, amen. amen. Okay, so last week we left off of talking about Joseph being blessed by God in everything that he had done for Potiphar. And not only was Joseph blessed, but Potiphar was blessed as a result of the favor of God that was on Joseph's life. And so here's Joseph in a strange country, deprived from the position of a loved and favored son, to ending up in a wealthy foreigner's home where he had the social status now of a slave. I don't know if you've ever considered this or not, but, you know, Joseph was the victim of human trafficking. Only he wasn't stolen by a stranger. He was rather sold by his own family. And why was he sold? Because he believed that God had great things in store for his life and his brothers were jealous. Now listen to me, not, not to backtrack on last week's message, but I want to highlight a point that I didn't mention that, that stood out to me. And that is this, that as followers of Jesus, we are never to be jealous of the favor of God that's on someone else's life. Because if you do allow yourself to become jealous, that is a seed that if it's sown, you will absolutely reap its fruit. In other words, if you act in jealousy, others will become jealous of you. Or if you talk about others' behind their back, they're going to talk about you. 
But when you celebrate other people's success, they're going to celebrate your success whenever God brings it your way. Are you seeing how this works? And I'm sure that Joseph had the temptation to become jealous of his brothers after what had happened to him. Jealous of the acceptance that they had as, as a brotherhood between one another. And also jealous of the fact that they got to see their father every single day, and he didn't. Yet Joseph didn't allow that jealousy to enter into his heart. Not only that, but Joseph, he didn't sit around and sulk. He didn't throw a pity party. But instead, the Bible says that Joseph excelled in his service. He didn't go about his task half-hearted, but he worked as unto the Lord. Now, rather than do what I did last week when I read the whole summarization of the story and then we went back, I thought this time I'd do something a little different. As I'm going through the story, uh, I want to just kind of pause at different points and just highlight the various life lessons that he teaches us as we go through the story, okay? And I'm, I'm going to start with this one. God will not bless what you put half of your heart into. Revelations 3, we read about the letter that was written to the church at Laodicea. And God speaks to that church about this very thing that we're talking about. He says this to him. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. About 15 years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Israel and then on to Turkey which is what your Bible calls Asia Minor. And while I was there, I got to visit the ancient city of Laodicea. Well, I learned something very interesting. And that was at the top of the mountain there in Laodicea, there was hot springs, or there were hot springs. Now, hot springs can be used for all kinds of purposes. And we learned that the most valuable land was at the top of that mountain. But then whenever we saw the aqueduct that took some of that hot water and directed it down the mountain into the valley, once that water had reached the very bottom, it became cold. But the interesting thing was at the bottom of the mountain, that was also valuable because that water had become cold at that point, and it was also useful. Matter of fact, it's what a lot of people used in the textile industry, and many of them used that water um, as the flushing uh, system for their sewage. And so this, there was archaeological remains that we found both on top of the mountain and on the bottom of the mountain. Now, here's the interesting thing. There wasn't anything excavated in the middle of the mountain. Why? Because there was nothing to excavate. Nothing had been built there. And we learned why. Because in the middle of the mountain, it had no value. Why? Because the water would have been lukewarm midway through the mountain as it was traveling down. And lukewarm water wasn't good for anything. Like hot water was good for a lot of things. Cold water was good for a, a lot of things. But lukewarm water, it had no value. Now, what am I trying to say? Well, I'm certainly not saying go out and live like the world because God will use you, okay? God forbid. As a matter of fact, Paul addresses that very thing because sometimes we hear that scripture, and I'm sure that many of you have heard that scripture, and they think, oh, well, I'm either supposed to go out and live like the devil or live for God. That's not what God's trying to communicate, all right? God's never going to encourage someone to go sin, all right? As a matter of fact, that's why I believe that the Holy Spirit had prompted Paul to write this very thing in Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say to all this? Shall we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace uh, may increase and overflow? He says, certainly not. God forbid. No, what God's word is teaching us here is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. To not be half-hearted or to be lukewarm in the things that we do, but to do everything as unto the Lord. Then you will see the blessings of God on your life. And of course, that's exactly what we see with Joseph. Joseph did everything as unto the Lord. Ephesians 6, verses 7 through 8 tells that our purpose is to render service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, 
Isn't that so good? That, that's just encouraging right there for those of you, you feel like you're doing some good and nothing's happening. Listen to that. It says, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. I think it's really interesting. I love it how there's those times in the scripture you read something that just kind of seems like, I don't know, filler words or a side point. There's no filler words or side points in the scripture. Like if there's something that's written there, like it's there for a reason, right? Like whenever you read the therefore, you know, we always have to ask the question, what's it there for, right? And so whenever we look at what Paul said, he says, whether he's slave or free, I think it's really interesting because Joseph was a slave at this time. Yet we see the blessings of God on his life. Now, what might that mean for us? I think it could be indicative of a job that we feel slaves to. Or a relationship that we feel the weight of. Or perhaps a physical limitation because of our health. But here's what I want to say to you. As long as you do that thing with all of your heart and the things that God has called you to do, God will bless you. Church, write this down. Great moves of God are usually preceded by simple acts of obedience. Joseph had been a slave. And he could have easily protested and refused to render any kind of service unto Potiphar. But he did the opposite. He worked as unto the Lord and not to man. And it's these decisions by Joseph that attract the blessings of God. You've heard me say this before, but decisions determines destiny. When we choose to do the right thing, regardless of the circumstances around us, God sees to it that our feet land on the path to our destiny. Now let's look at what happens next in Joseph's life. The Bible says that Joseph was tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> And as such, that's the T-N-I-V, Tomlinson Nearly Inspired version, right? <laughs> but he likely was tall, dark, and handsome, okay? And as such, Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with him. And she tried on several occasions, the scripture teaches us, but Joseph refused. The Bible records Joseph saying this to Potiphar's wife. It says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And this is in Genesis 39 and verse 9. And then in verse 10, it goes on to say that he refused to go to, be, to go to bed with her or even to be with her. It was just this morning that I was praying and was going over my notes. And again, something stood out to me and I was like, man, that's interesting. Because it says he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. And I think that's a good word for the church right now. Because there's some people in your life you don't need to be around. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about people that you have intentionally chose to be in your life. Now, it's one thing whenever you go to work and that's your co-employer uh, co or whatever, employee rather, and you, you have to, and, and that's there, and God's put you in that position. But we have got to hear me on this, because I'm not just talking to, to my young people here. I'm talking to adults as well. I'm talking about people who, who pull us down. I used to use an illustration. If I come here, Matthew, for a minute, if you don't mind. I used to use, use this illustration with teenagers all the time. So I um, probably shouldn't have used you. You're be bigger than me. I should have used someone smaller. Get <laughs> one in the world. Well, watch this. If I'm up here, okay, yeah, y'all are all kind of nervous. He, he just had brain surgery. <laughs> God's got me. So watch this. Come up here. So if I'm trying to pull him up, Watch this. No, no, I'm trying to pull you up, oh, right? Yeah. So I can't, I can't, now, now pull me down. Go ahead. You got permission to pull me down. Watch this. Okay, sit down. <laughs> watch this. Big old thing. All right, watch this. It's way easier for him to pull me down than it was for me to pull him up. And you need to be wise about the people that's in your life. And I think that's the reason that was written. I was just, I just saw this this morning. I was like, oh, my goodness. It doesn't just say that he refused to go to bed with her, but he refused to even be with her. Who in your life are you choosing to be around that you do not need to be around? Because they are not causing you to take steps and, and advance toward your purpose. They're not causing you to love Jesus. If anything, they're actually causing you to take some steps back. See, sometimes you need to renegotiate those uh, people in your life, those, those friendships, those relationships. And you can still love them, but you need to love them from a distance. Are you with me? 
I can't help but wonder if Joseph knew that his life story would one day end up being written and, and be written in God's holy word and that millions upon millions of people would hear about the decisions that he made and how that God blessed him because of his faithfulness. I'm guessing not, but watch this. One thing is for sure about you and me. Someone is reading our life story. They're reading it as it's being written, and they're waiting to see what's going to happen. You see, your life is pointing towards something. Your life is saying, this is what I value. And if you want to see the breadcrumb trails of your life, you can look at what you value by seeing your money, where's your money, your time, and your efforts, where they're being spent. That will reveal what you really value. And you might not think it's so, but you are setting an example to those around you by the choices that you make. Write this down. The decisions that you make today will determine the stories you tell tomorrow. Not only that, but it will also determine the stories that others tell about your life as well. For example, comes to your mind whenever you hear the name Jezebel or you hear the name Judas Iscariot. The same thing that's going through all of our minds, right? Because their life has written their story. Joseph refused to give in. Why? Well, I think there's probably several reasons. Uh, one is he didn't want to dishonor Potiphar who was the person that God had placed him under for that brief moment in time. And by the way, it doesn't matter, children, teenagers, if you're under your parents, honor them. Honor your mother and your father so that it will go well with you and you'll have long life. That is a promise from God. If God has you and your job under someone, honor that boss, right? I, I know that it sounds like I'm trying to get something out of this by saying I'm not. I'm just feeling this wasn't even in my notes. But I'm telling you, if God's got you, because you're not always going to be at Destiny Church all your life, right? Like in 20 years, I mean, there might be some of you still here. But wherever you go, get under that spiritual authority and listen to them and receive from them and put yourself under them as well. Are you with me? That's exactly what Joseph did. And the blessing of God was, was on his life. But watch this. Here's the second reason. I think. I think that it was because he didn't want to sin against God. I mean, that's why he said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph's main concern was what God thought about him. See, this is where so many believers, they get tripped up because they're more concerned about what other people think about them rather than what God has to think about them. But then third, he wasn't willing to trade his dream for a momentary pleasure. Friends, don't give in now and miss in the future what you value the most. I just mentioned Judas Iscariot, and Judas was a prime example of someone who gave up what they valued now, right? And he gave it up for what? 30 pieces of silver, which he didn't even want in the end. He wanted to give it back, but it was too late. Write this next thought down. Don't abandon your God-given values in pursuit of your God-given dreams. Oh, man, yes, that is good. I, I, that cannot be emphasized enough right now. Church, listen to me. Listen, our headlines are filled with news articles, hello, of people who have abandoned their God-given values in pursuit of their God-given dreams. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying without me having to say it? So Potiphar's wife kept coming on to him, all right? But Joseph kept telling her no, and so she accused him of sexual assault. And in Genesis 39 and verse 14, it says that she called to the men of her household. I always want to say, what was those men doing there? I don't know. That's for another day. Read into that if you want. But uh, so she called to the men of her household. She said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew, a little bit of racism there, okay, uh, to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. 
Underline where it says, I cried out with a loud voice. Hey, it's not always the loudest voice that's telling the truth. Come on now. I know that in this Me Too culture that we're all accepting of anything that anyone says, but you know I've found that there's been times that the loudest person is because they're trying to hide something. I'm not saying that we don't report abuse if you've been abused. Of course you should. Absolutely, absolutely. And we should take abuse seriously. I'm just saying don't be super quick to believe someone just because that person said that it's true, no matter how loud they say it. So Potiphar gets angry at Joseph, and though Joseph did not commit a wrong, he goes and he puts him in the king's prison. Now, try to imagine being in Joseph's shoes right here. He gets sold as a slave, ends up in Egypt, thinking that things are starting to turn around for him, right? But now he's being thrown into jail. Have you ever had a time in your life where you've faced one of the most difficult things that you've ever had to go through, and you finally feel as if things are starting to work out, right? As if God is moving on your behalf, and then suddenly here comes something worse. If you have, then you can relate and you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, uh, keep your seatbelt buckled. <laughs> when you read the story of Joseph in Genesis 39 and 20, it says that Joseph was put into prison. But watch this, and I love this. It says in the very next verse, verse 21, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph. At every turn in Joseph's life, God never once left Joseph. Church, write this down. Opposition doesn't prevent the presence of God. It provides an opportunity to prove the presence of God. You see, it's during our moments of greatest need that we get to experience God's greatest supply. If we will but trust him and be obedient. I've come to learn in life that God gives us the exact experiences he wants us to have in order to shape the specific destiny that he's designed for us. Let me say that again because I think someone needs to hear that. I'm going to give you the opportunity to write it down. God gives us. So it is the Lord who's doing it. God gives us the exact experiences he wants us to have. I know you don't understand it. Well, his ways not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Gives us exact experiences he wants us to have in order to, because there's always a purpose. There's a purpose in your pain. I said there's a purpose in your pain. There's a purpose in everything that you're going through. In order to shape the specific destiny that he's designed for you. Psalm 139 says that every single one of our days are written in your books. Every single one of them. And the experiences that you have in your life, you're right in the middle of it. I mean, how crazy would it be for us to just stop right now in the middle of the story of Joseph and walk away and say, yep, this is it. Put a period on it. No, there's no period here. There may be a comma here, but there's no period. God's still writing your story, just like we're still reading his story. Joseph may have been in a pit and later thrown into a prison, but he was destined for the palace. See, that's why we've got to be governed by our calling and not our circumstance. Because your circumstance will lie to you. It'll tell you things like, this is the way that it's always been. That you're never going to do all the things that God has put in your heart. And I want you to know that whenever you do fi uh, face those pit or those prison moments in your life, it can feel like you're not visible. But just because you feel like you're not visible, or even maybe that you are visible, it doesn't mean that you're not valuable. Hey, you can be left out by others, watch this, but still be set aside by God for his special purpose. And so now we find Joseph in the king's prison. And just like Joseph did whenever he was sold to Potiphar, he began to use his God-given talents and his gifts to serve others. And God saw to it that he succeeded in everything that he put his hands to. As a matter of fact, it wasn't long before he was head over the entire um, prison. He was put in charge over all the other prisoners. 
And then the Bible says that whatever was done there, whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. Hmm. Be, be the one who's looking to, to serve. Be the one who's looking to put your hands to something. Be the one who says, here my Lord, send me. Be that person. Because God's not looking for the most qualified or the most talented. This is coming to my mind right now. I hope this comes out well. But I used to watch uh, UFC. What was that uh, the, where they had all the young fighters? Ultimate, the ultimate fighter? Yeah, the ultimate fighter. And I remember one guy had gotten injured. And all the other guys are sitting around like, I wonder if he'll pick me. I wonder if he'll pick me. I wonder if he'll pick me. And there's like a dozen guys. And then one of the guys went and, and knocked on the door of, um, was it Dana? Um, Dana, the owner. Yeah, Dana White. And Dana says, yeah. And he says, I want this. Pick me. I want this. I'll give it everything that I got. And I saw that look on Dana's face, and I get it. Like, you know, as a leader, I get it. I'm like, uh-huh. So Dana went out, and he goes, well, I've already made my decision. He goes, it's so-and-so right here. He says, because he's the one who came to me. And everyone else is like, well, man, if we would have known that, we would have known that. Well, hey, you know that now, church. The proof of the desires in the pursuit. If you've got something that you want, and it's in your heart, don't wait for someone to call to you. Be the one to say, here am I, Lord. Call on me. If no one else will go, I'll go. Anoint me, God. Send me, God. Put me on the task, God. I'll be the one who will do it. And God will use you. And you'll do great things. Whenever we look at Joseph's life here, he portrayed a lot of positive character traits. But I can't help but to notice this one right here. Joseph was consistent. I mean, he kept on keeping on. He kept doing the right thing, regardless of how he felt, and regardless of whether or not there could have been the possibility of it costing him something by doing the right thing. And I think this is a good life lesson for us, that doing the right thing may cost you up front, but it will always work for you in the end. And I just want to say to anyone that's here who feel like you've been doing the right thing and it's not been working for you, well, the story isn't over. Your story isn't over. Just like Joseph's story doesn't end right here, neither does yours. Like, just keep doing what God has called you to do, and God will cause all things to work together for your good in due season. Man, that's such a good word. I hope you're grabbing a hold of this. I'm going to share with you something that I heard from Craig Groeschel in his leadership podcast. As a matter of fact, if you want a great podcast that I highly recommend that I listen to, it's Craig Groeschel's leadership podcast. I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts. His is, in my opinion, one of the best ones out there. But he said this. I had to write it down when I heard it. I thought, oh, man, that is so good. Lord, let me apply this in my life. He said, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. That is a gold nugget that just got slid in your purse or your pocket. I'm telling you what. Because this right here, church, this is true in every area of your life. For example, if you go to the gym occasionally, you're going to get occasional results. If you occasionally spend time with your kids, you're going to get occasional results. If you come to church occasionally, you're going to get occasional results. Are you with me? It's successful people that do consistently what other people do occasionally. Joseph was consistent. And as a result, he was successful in everything that he did. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good. You know, we all get weary from time to time. Did you know that? I do. I get tired. Man, I woke up. We were for some reason, I think the dog had to go to the bathroom, and Jody and I woke up at 4 in the morning and could not go back to, the sl to sleep. And Man, I was tired this morning, you guys. How, anybody ever relate to that and be tired? Yeah, sometimes you just need to take a nap, by the way. Jesus took naps, okay? So just receive that word from the Lord. Sometimes we need to take a nap. But the Bible says this. It says, don't let us grow weary of doing good. Don't give up, church. I'm telling you, everything that you put your hands in, look, it is not without, I mean, it's, it will bring about 
everything that God has purposed in your life. It says for, because it says this, it says for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. And we see this biblical principle right here played out in the life of Joseph. Joseph kept doing good, even though his circumstance was not what he wanted. He did good anyway. One day, the cupbearer and the baker who worked for the Pharaoh, they found themselves in prison. And while they were there, they had some troubling dreams. Now, Joseph could tell by the countenance on their face that there was something that was bothering them. And so Joseph then asked them, why are your faces so sad? And so the cupbearer and the baker, they shared their dreams with Joseph. Now, let me just pause here for a second. Joseph is in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. The Bible says that the cupbearer and the baker, they had committed an offense against the Pharaoh. In other words, they deserved to be there, not Joseph. Yet Joseph, noticing that something was bothering them, looked to see how he could serve them. I mean, in Joseph's darkest moment, he didn't just think about himself. And if anyone deserved to have a woe is me moment and decide to sit this one out, it would have been Joseph. I don't think anyone would have judged him, right? But let me just engage a thought with you. There's a branch of history that's called counterfactual theory. And that's where you ask the what if questions. And I love to apply the counterfactual theory to Joseph and ask the question, what if Joseph saw their faces and simply decided, I don't feel like ministering to them? Besides, they got what they deserved. I'm the one who's sitting here and hasn't done any wrong. Do you think that he would have still ended up in the palace? Probably. But he might not have arrived when he was 30 years old. Just like whenever God wanted the children of Israel to go to the promised land, and it took them 40 years to get there, but they could have been there in 10 days, right? It was their decisions that, that affected him. Here's a good life lesson from Joseph. Ready? Pay attention to others on your journey to get where God has called you to go. Oh, that is so good in this American consumer Christian culture that we have. Pay attention to others. You know, that is the other part about love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, yes, Lord, I've got that. I've got that. And your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. A little cliche that we say, right? Know him, make him known. That's the other half, right? Joseph interprets the baker and the cupbearer's dreams. And he asked them to mention him to Pharaoh in order to get him out of prison. Only the cupbearer forgot all about Joseph. And, of course, the baker was hanged, in case you didn't know the story. So he was dead silent. <laughs> Come on, man. Is that all the love I get out of that? Daniel liked it, didn't you, Daniel? <laughs> but here's the thing. It had been 20 years and... And it, or 17 years, and, and it was, um, wasn't until two whole years later that Pharaoh had two dreams, and no one could interpret them. As a matter of fact, it says he brought in all the sorcerers and magicians and everything, and no one could um, interpret to him what they were. And it was at this time that the cupbearer finally uh, remembered Joseph and told uh, Pharaoh about Joseph, how he had interpreted his dreams and also uh, the baker and, and what would happen. And so Pharaoh brought Joseph up from the prison, told him his dreams, and Joseph interpreted them. And not only did he interpret them, but he gave the Pharaoh um, some advice as to what he should do in response to the dreams, because these dreams were indeed of God. Pharaoh was so impressed with the wisdom and the discernment of Joseph that he promoted Joseph over all of Egypt. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that no one else was to be higher in command or authority other than Pharaoh himself. Now, this is certainly one of my favorite parts of the story because it just goes to show that when everything seems to be going south and when everyone else that should have been helping you 
uh, doesn't help you and forgets about you, that a moment's notice, God completely can change your circumstance and take you from what you feel like is defeat and lift you up to your God-ordained destiny. But what you've got to remember is that Joseph didn't get there overnight. I mean, yes, God turned his situation around at the drop of a hat, but that was 13 years in the waiting. And in that 13 years, it took a lot of faith. It took a lot of hard work. And it took not letting go of the hope that comes with God's promises. And, (laughs) sorry, it takes a lot of patience. I know that none of us love when God requires patience from us. But can I just share something with you? This is, if you don't write down anything I've written down all morning, you need to write this one down. The only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had. Come on, you need to put that in a doggy bag, take it home, and chew on that thing a little bit more tonight. <laughs> you hear me? I'm talking about not creating Ishmael's in your life. I'm talking about not missing out on your God-ordained purpose because you weren't patient. Joseph was patient. And because he was patient, he got to walk in the fullness of his purpose. Joseph set in place a system which was the result of the dreams that God had given to Pharaoh, one in which he set aside seven years of plenty and preparation for the following seven years of famine. And in Genesis 41, verses 53 through 54, it says, The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, And the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all of the land. So this wasn't just happening in Egypt. This was happening in all the lands. But in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. So when word spread that Egypt had grain for sale, everyone traveled to Egypt to buy some. And Joseph's father, remember Joseph's father, Jacob, he sent his brothers to go down into Egypt to buy some grain for their family. Now, Joseph's brothers, they didn't know anything about their brother. Last that they remember 20 years ago, they had sold him off as a slave. I mean, for all they knew, he could have been dead. And so they went into Egypt where they then had to stand before Joseph because if you wanted to come and buy anything, Joseph was the man. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he was the governor over the land. So if you come in and you wanted to buy something, he had to make sure, first of all, that it was needed. And so he would listen to him. So they come, they stood before Joseph, and they had to bow down before him with their faces to the ground, only they did not recognize that it was Joseph. But you better believe Joseph recognized them. <laughs> so and let, me, let me just ask you something. What would you have done in that scenario? Just curious. I mean, you think about this. I mean, here are the men who ripped you from your family, who sold you off, who who wanted to kill you, first of all. You know, Reuben saved his life, right? And then they sold him as as, as a slave to some foreigners. I'm going to tell you what the world would do. The world would demand retribution. Yet Joseph didn't use his power to bring vengeance down on them, which he could have easily done. I mean, Joseph could have easily had every single one of them killed. But instead, he showed them grace and mercy. He forgave them. He he embraced them. Matter of fact, he, he threw a big party for them, and he fed them. And he brought his whole family to Egypt where he took care of them. Now, I'm skipping a huge amount of detail here in the story where God brought about the reconciliation of Joseph and his family. I I highly encourage you guys to go and to read this uh, on your own. But there's one last life lesson that I want us to pull from the life of Joseph, and that is this. Forgiveness is always a part of God's plan. Always. Always. And this is true with us receiving, uh, receiving forgiveness Watch this, it's also true in us giving it. This part of Joseph's story teaches us that people deserve second chances. Hey church, we serve a God 
of second chances. Thank God for that. Let me bring today's lesson to a close just by mentioning one last thought. Joseph, when you think about it, he kind of serves as a type of Christ by enduring hardship with the goal of saving others. I mean, Joseph's brothers had sinned, and and their sin, it deserved death. Just like our sin, it produces a spiritual death within us. But Christ came, and he died, offering his life as a sacrifice for our sins so that we would have life, and so that we would have it in abundance, and so that we could be recipients of the grace and of the mercy and of the love of God. And so I just want to end with this question. Have you ever bowed your knee to the Savior, to Jesus, the one and the only one who has the power and the authority to forgive, to restore, and to renew you back into relationship with God? Which, by the way, is the very reason why you were created to be in relationship with God, to, to, to know him, to love him, and to serve him. I want to ask everyone to stand to your feet with me, if you would. I never want to preach a sermon. I don't care what sermon it is that I don't give an opportunity for someone to give their life to Jesus Christ because I believe that on any given Sunday that there are people who walk through this door, some people that you may know their names and their kids' names because they've been coming for a long time, but they have never given their life to Jesus Christ. Do you know the Bible teaches in Matthew chapter 26 that there are a lot of people that's going to stand before the Lord and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, listen to me now. Did we not prophesy in your cast out demons in your name and do many mighty miracles in your name. And here was Jesus' response to them. He said, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Jesus says, I know you're going about and you're doing that. That's what the Pharisees did. Right? But Jesus hasn't called us to be a human doing, but to be a human being. He calls us as sons. He calls us as daughters. He wants us to have relationship with him. And I know, even in my own church, not just whatever I speak anywhere outside the church, that there are people who they can fool others. They can fool me. Watch, you can even fool yourself. But you aren't fooling God. God wants you to have relationship with him. That is what is life transforming. Are you hearing me? Not just because you know a bunch of scripture and a bunch of theology. Congratulations, I do too. The Pharisees had a lot of good theology. Nothing wrong with good theology. We need good theology. But what we really need is we need a relationship with our Heavenly Father. I just want to ask, who's here and you've never bowed, not just your knee, but your heart? Because the knee... Yeah, okay, that's good. That's, that's an outward expression of what's going on inwardly. But God is interested on what's going on inwardly. So if you have not surrendered your heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, like up here in your mind, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You're not like thinking it's Harry Krishna or Buddha or, or Muhammad. Like you, you're believing it's Jesus, but you've not given your whole heart to Jesus. You've been like the church at Laodicea. You've kind of been lukewarm. Oh, yes, Lord. You've kind of been looking at porn each week. You've kind of been cheating on your taxes a little bit. You've kind of been lying a little bit. Look, that's, this is not condemnation. You're like, wow, that's heavy. No, it's God saying, I want to forgive you, and I don't want you to live that way. Because watch this. Here's what happens to us especially for those of us that are here in the church, right? The scripture says that it's like a dog that returns to its vomit when we sin. You see, what the dog doesn't realize that it's what was in the vomit to start with that made him sick. 
But the reason that that dog does that is because its heart isn't all into it. Our heart isn't all into God, and that's why we turn to the things of this world. And so I just want to ask who's here that wants, and it starts with a decision. But it's not just a decision on the Sunday morning. It's a decision tomorrow morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning. Thank God for Sunday school, but we need some Wednesday school and some Friday night school. Hello. Who's the Holy Spirit? Whose heart is the Holy Spirit pulling on right now? Is it your heart? Respond. Those of you watching online, I don't care if it's right now or later on. Sometime we get this message to be listened to years down the road. And this is just as powerful for you today as it is watching right now today. And you say, man, yeah, I, I've, I've been kind of going through the motions of Christianity. I've been kind of putting on the mask and everybody thinks I'm a Christian, but man, I just have not surrendered my heart. I want to ask you to pray with me right now. And I want to lead you in a prayer of surrender. I, I'm quite confident there's quite a few in here. Yeah, no, like you, you would say you love God. Believe in Jesus, but there's just some areas of your life you've not surrendered. But man, to, to say Jesus is Lord means to be that He's Lord of all, not just here you can be Lord in this area and Lord over here, but mm, that one right there, I'll kind of be the Lord of that. You say, well, gosh, I wouldn't say that. Well, yeah, that's kind of what you're saying. <laughs> but you say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord in every area of my life. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. We're going to all confess right now, first of all, our need for Jesus. I'm Pray a prayer of surrender. Pray this out loud with me. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. I surrender my heart to you. Every part. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. And now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, can we thank God for our salvation? And can we just end on singing this song? I know we still got a few more minutes here, and I want us to just kind of set our week going into this week, believing God that he's going to do some great things in and through our life as we have surrendered to him. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's worship.